It's not a product, it's a technology. It's an education challenge. A regenerative suspension. There will be a growing demand for industrial photovoltaics. Pumped hydro. Innovation in the financing space. The high-speed train is in all our interests. All political lines. Australia is a solar paradise. The market is moving much faster than that. You've got something that's transformational. Solar window in a can. Beyond Zero. Global warming science, solutions and action. Taking it to a do-it-yourself level. Hello and welcome to another edition of the Beyond Zero show. We're coming to you from the studios of 3CR Melbourne, syndicated around Australia on the Community Radio Network and podcast on the internet at bze.org.au and 3cr.org.au. My name is Kay Winnigal and today I'm joined by my co-host Michael Steindl. Hi Kay, hi listeners. Energy storage is an enormous part of our modern life and the lithium-ion battery takes pride of place in many applications. But imagine if you could charge your car in minutes or your phone in seconds. New storage technologies are developing quickly and now supercapacitors are edging their way into the market. Today we're talking to Paul Wilson from the company Arvio about a new product he's selling. Welcome Paul, thanks for joining us. Thank you for having me. Paul, tell us firstly a bit about yourself, your background and your expertise. Um, I've been working in electronics for many, many years. Um, I started in Germany when I was around 20 and um, I've worked in the solar industry for about 10 years. And um, most recently we um, developed some technology around uh, remote access to um, solar inverters. And even more recently we moved into supercapacitor energy storage. So tell us a bit about this product, this supercapacitor product that you have so many people interested in. Uh, Yes, it's a different way of storing energy than a traditional chemical battery. Um, There's plenty of papers to read online about supercapacitor storage, so I won't go into the technical details about capacitance and electrochemical storage, but the main differences between an electrochemical battery and a supercapacitor is that a supercapacitor can charge much, much faster. Um, We've done laboratory tests around a couple of minutes to charge the cell to full, um, which is much faster than most people need. Um, We typically run our packs at around about 45-minute charge rate to full or to empty again. So you're saying that a supercapacitor takes the place of a battery totally? That's correct, yeah. It works by having a very large surface area inside the capacitor cell and that surface area helps it charge at extremely high speeds. And that's quite different to a normal capacitor which doesn't have that large surface area, is it? No, no. no, Normal capacitors have large surface area as well but they don't store much energy. They have very high power but low energy. So a supercapacitor has medium energy and medium capacity. Okay. So it's bridging the gap between capacitors and batteries. So what sort of applications are you looking at using them in? Um, well, the most obvious one is energy storage for um, solar power. That can be done on a commercial scale or on a residential scale. They can also be used in um, boats, um, Telstra towers, uh, remote areas. We even had a com- communication yesterday from a remote railway uh, requirement where the batteries that they were using were failing due to heat. And that's a very big benefit of uh, our supercapacitors, that they work up to a very high temperature. That's right, because they don't have the chemical reactions that yeah, generate that, the heat. That's right. They work from around... Uh, the, the manufacturers state they work from negative 30 to plus 85 degrees Celsius. Uh, we haven't tested them across that full band yet, but that's a much, much wider band than most chemical batteries um, recommend. Paul, you already touched on the... Um, the energy density issue uh, a drawback of capacitors and supercapacitors is their low energy density um, 
This can limit the application for, as a continuous power source, obviously. How do you address that? Um, the energy density that we have in our product is around about half of that of the good quality lithium-ion competitors, so that for a transport use, say, for example, in a vehicle, a lithium-ion would be a better choice because of the weight. Mm-hmm. Um, however, because it can charge so fast, you could also argue that you could put a smaller pack in your vehicle and charge it more frequently. For example, you could pull up at a, uh, a set of traffic lights and inductively charge your vehicle for 30 seconds and then drive off, and you could pack, fill your car battery within, in, a, in a very short amount of time. So while it doesn't suit every application for mobile devices, many more applications exist where weight doesn't really matter. It doesn't matter how much a supercapacitor weighs when it's sitting on your garage floor. So um, lithium-ion, I think, has a specific energy of about 120 to 240 watt-hours per kilogram, and supercapacitors have about five, but you're saying... Yours is much higher than no, that, is it right? it's much higher, yeah. So yours is about 100? Uh, about 70 is the pack. 70? Yeah, 70 watt-hours per kilogram. And there are some supercapacitors on the drawing board now which are about double that. So oh, yeah, I've heard just <coughs> recently in the last couple of months there's scientists in Bristol are talking about supercapacitors that are um, very efficient. But yeah. in terms of yours, you wouldn't want me to have that in my car because obviously my electric car would be so heavy with your supercapacitors that it wouldn't really go very fast or far? Well, it would be hard to corner in a car that had double the weight of energy storage that it was designed for. So, But when they do advance them further, the, the theoretical capacity is about 350 watt-hours per kilogram. So with some good technolo- technological advancement, some clever scientists, the, the packs will get more energy dense and I believe they'll eventually replace electrochemical batteries inside vehicles. So another disadvantage of capacitors is the discharge curve. Uh, Batteries, um, particularly lithium, are really good at having a fairly flat discharge curve um, for the the bulk of its use. But capacitors have a parabolic discharge curve that uh, as you draw the the energy out, the voltage gets lower. How do you manage that in your Sirius product? Well, uh, you're talking about a capacitor, not a supercapacitor. Mm -hmm. So they have a very different... um, They they have a different discharge curve. curve. They do, yeah. And there's plenty of papers to read on that. If you just Google... Go to Wikipedia, you can read about this. You can go to just Google supercapacitors with um, graphite in them or graphene and you'll see plenty of papers around different shape discharge curves. It's quite easily addressed using um, different kinds of electrodes and different kinds of electrolytes. Mm, That surprises me. So supercapacitors, are they a proven storage technology at this stage? Uh, Yes, they are. There's quite a few motor vehicle manufacturers who already use supercapacitors. For example, Mazda used them in their um, regenerative braking. Lamborghini are looking at bringing out a supercapacitor-powered vehicle. And the reason they're choosing supercapacitors over traditional batteries is the the power that they can achieve. And power is everything in a sports car. Mm. Well, I have to say, um, just battery power is pretty impressive (laughs) in terms of speed. Yes. Compared to the normal petrol engine. Well, I drive an electric uh, PHEV, which is not quite as pure as your BMW, but it's... uh, it's a pretty good step in the right direction. Yeah. How long have those serious bat- serious 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 yeah like, like the been star. on the market? Um, around about a year, and we've worked closely with the manufacturer for the last nine months to um, add, add some features into them, so that when we import them to the country, that they are easily deployed by the installers. Who is the manufacturer? <clears throat> uh, Kilowatt Labs, and they're um, Chinese or American or. 
um, American and Dubai-based. Mm-hmm. There, there was a patent that a Kilowatt Labs had that showed it, the patent consisting of supercapacitors and batteries in combination. Is that what your product is? Uh, no, that patent was about eight, was actually written about eighteen months ago. Was published and it just became available recently. That was how they were originally doing it um, about two or three years ago, but the cost was too high to make it commercially viable. So they worked with a, um, a capacitor manufacturer in China to integrate the two technologies together. So there is actually a small amount of lithium ion in the electrode in the capacitor, which is why it's different to a standard capacitor. So that's why its performance is more like a battery than that's a, right. a normal super, uh, capacitor. It's, a, it's often called a hybrid supercapacitor or a... Um, electrochemical capacitor as opposed to an electrolytic capacitor. Mm-hmm. I referred earlier to those scientists in Bristol, Bristol that have um, created a small device supercapacitor that can power a fan or an LED for a few minutes and they're claiming that with further work, so obviously it's not happening at the moment, the material could eventually reach energy densities of up to 180 watt hours per kilogram, So, which is similar to the lithium-ion battery um, figures that I mentioned earlier. Yeah, that's correct. Um, and the scientists who are working on the cells that are put into these Sirius modules are predicting um, an increase to about 240 watt-hours per kilogram. Um, I'm not sure when by, though. It's all science-level testing. Um, but the, the, again, as I said before, the, the future is 350 watt-hours per kilogram. That's to do with the graphene surface area. Mm. Well, I think it was Elon Musk about 2008, wasn't it, that, who said that... Um, the future is supercapacitors, not batteries, even though he's gotten into that area. Yeah, he's moving into it. Oh, he's, oh, he's moving I'm into sure it. I'm sure he is, yes. oh, I'm sure he is too, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but you, I haven't heard anything about it. You gave a couple of quick examples of other applications of supercapacitors. Have you got any others? I, I think I remember hearing about the um, a proposal to put them in trams and, and do what you said with the cars, that you'd charge the tram up at a stop yeah. and it, it's good enough to do, the, say, the next three stops. Well, that was an idea that I had, thinking how beautiful Melbourne would be if we could take all the tram wires down. Uh-huh. Just it was your idea, wasn't it? Yeah, just, just imagine if you had you know, only a small section of wire at each tram stop where the tram mm. could just pull up underneath the, the wire, charge off the tracks and the wire above, mm-hmm. and then pull away and run on capacitors till the next stop. That would be cool. Well, it's inter- interesting because I think there's superconductor buses in China and yes. they can only run <laughs> supercapacitor. Super I'm <laughs> oh, sorry. Um, and they can only run to the next bus stop. Or, or two, oh, yeah. I this, think it is. This, the energy because density is just like your car. It's the same kind of energy density. Oh, no, no. It's much, much less than that. Oh, sorry. What I'm saying is with the current supercapacitor technology, around 70 watt hours per kilogram, that's enough to move a tram between bus stops, between tram stops. Mm. So yeah, it's yeah. quite. And actually, in it's South in South Korea, they have a, a a bus lane which has an inductive strip under it, and the bus can travel along the inductive yeah. highway and pull off and mm. and take do a small stop around a town and get back on the freeway and charge again. Mm. So the technology is already here. It's just who's going to apply it is the real question. Yes, and in fact, there's a company in Hallam here in Victoria that's working on that sort of um, inductive charging process. Yeah. So yeah, it's certainly moving along, but. What you're saying is that supercapacitors can be used to allow you to get to the next induction charging point. Yeah, they can, and eventually they'll be able to replace lithium-ion batteries like for like. But then lithium-ion batteries may advance as well. We just don't know. Or or there may be other sorts of batteries. Yeah, that's right. There's so much research work on this now. I've read probably 20 or 30 papers on this from 
people far smarter than me uh, throughout China, South Korea, the US, and it's some really, really interesting things you can read just by Googling it, look, looking at um, research paper websites. Mm, yeah. There is an expert on supercapacitors at the University College in London who said if a significant leap has been made in energy density, it would be an important achievement. And one major consideration that is yet to be proven is the scalability, cost and sustainability of the new technology. I guess we're still at that, uh, the early stages, aren't we? Yeah, we're on the precipice now. I think it's, it won't be long before um, other manufacturers come out with similar products. Samsung have already talked about bringing out um, graphene-based um, supercapacitor lithium-ion batteries. Um, I'm sure Panasonic are working on it. I'm sure Tesla are working on it. It just depends on when they announce it. I think it, when, when you hear about it, I think they've been working on it for quite a while. The energy densities claimed for your um, product appear to be a quantum leap in um, what's been available up to now. It, it, has there been some big breakthrough that we haven't heard about no. that, that is incorporated in your product? I think, well, the way that the manufacturer describes the cells are being made is similar to other capacitor cells. They're... they're IP, if you like, they don't want to discuss how they do it, but the theoretical density of graphene energy storage is was passed many years ago. So it's just a question of how you manufacture it. What do you mean the theoretical density was passed? The, well, the, the, they're the, doing better the, than the, the theory predicts? What I mean is the laboratory tests that they have been doing since 2014, if you read up on this, mm-hmm. uh, are hitting theoretical densities of 350 watt-hours per kilogram. Okay. Um, so, and we're talking about seventy watt hours per kilogram. So, we're not really jumping very far ahead uh, in terms of laboratory papers to a product that's on the market. Maybe not compared to the theory, but in, compared to anything else that's been on the market at the moment, the yeah. energy density in your unit just seems phenomenal. Like forty odd times anything at the moment. Well, I've seen other products which are around about um, half or a quarter of the size of our product in energy density. Um, I haven't tested them though, so Mm -hmm. all all I know about is the product we use and that we've tested. So we've done um, bench testing now for about six months on our product. We currently have a unit cycle testing, which we plan to publish online with a live login. It's been running for We've run the first unit for three months at about a 40-minute charge rate, so 40 minutes to full, 40 minutes to empty, um, recycling to look at any degradation. Um, And uh, we now have a unit running live which has got temperature monitoring uh, of the conductors going into the unit and um, voltage and frequency. Everything is all live live logged uh, in a database. So that will be available through a live login. Is it, is it what the manufacturer is doing, or is it you? That's doing what we're that? doing, third party. Yeah. Oh, okay. So the manufacturer doesn't supply that information. They don't have the same software level as us. So our background is software development. So we write software that integrates with electronic SP Pro inverters made in Chernside Park in Melbourne, and we've um, developed code that lets us log into those inverters and gather data from them. So we're using that as our um, charge and discharge device to and from the grid. Okay. If you've just tuned in, we're talking to Paul Wilson about a new energy storage product that he has. So in terms of um, the another disadvantage with supercapacitors is the discharge curve. The voltage changes and gets lower as it discharges. Um, is that the case with your supercapacitor? Well, again, you're comparing capacitors to um, supercapacitors. So if you, if you do research on supercapacitors versus capacitors, you'll find that the charge curves are very different. 
Okay. So you, you don't have to manage that in the series? Uh, we have to manage it through the balancing circuitry. So the way that the unit charges and discharges and manages the voltage across each of the parallel groups of capacitors is very important, and the speed that that's done. Um, the technology had to be moved up to um, Ethernet speeds to get the balancing to work properly uh, because other technologies weren't fast enough. Mm-hmm. Another aspect of capacitors is they tend to have much higher leakage than batteries. Um, how, does, how does your series unit handle that? How, how long does it stay charged? Yeah, that kind of moves into the same point of capacitors versus supercapacitors once more. Yep. So once you put a, a different electrode in the capacitor, um, you end up with a different discharge rate. Mm-hmm. So we've tested ours to discharge at about 5% over the first 25 days, and then after 30 days they fall by about 30%, and they fall away from there. So if you take it off charge and you leave it with no supply of energy, it does discharge faster than lithium-ion battery. That is a disadvantage if you need it for that application. For example, if you were going to put one in your boat to start it up in next winter, it wouldn't be as good a choice as a lead battery. Yeah. And You've mentioned a couple of the components, in particular the graphene. What are all the comp- uh, components in your battery? Uh, there's a lithium-ion electrode, and that mm-hmm. accounts for around 6% of the weight of the product. And then there's graphene, which is f- effectively just enriched graphite. Yep. It comes from carbon. Yep. And there's an electrolyte, which is absorbed into the graphene matrix. Okay. So... Um no serious environmental impacts then? Look, I have stated before that they were non-toxic, but I probably should really say they're just very low toxicity. Um, the half-life of the electrolyte, if, it, if, for example, cut the cell apart and you um, heat up the cell and the electrolyte evaporates because it's dry and it, it'll evaporate, mm-hmm. the half-life is four days, so it'll break down in UV light. So it's quite sustainably manufactured and relatively harmless to the earth compared to other types of technology. And you also claim much safer than lithium Oh, they're batteries. far safer by, yeah. We've done some uh, blowtorch testing on the product. We put a blowtorch on a standard lithium-ion cell, mm-hmm. um, and it exploded, and, yes. uh, and that was one cell. Yes, I hope you were protected doing that. <laughs> and then we put a blowtorch on the supercapacitor, and it hissed. Mm-hmm. So it was a very big difference from a point of view of safety. So they have a much wider temperature operating range, uh, almost no fire risk at all, and uh, very, very low toxicity. So in terms of, of, of fire risk, you, I mean, you, you applied heat to it. Which, a blowtorch, yes. Yeah, <laughs> a blowtorch, um, which does terrible things to batteries and probably to fuel too. But um, in terms of capacitors, um, they've got a very, very high current um, that they're storing. So it, it's, there's another term, form of... Um, Risk. risk. risk that yeah, there's an energy risk. So the, the new battery standards that they drafted, Australian standards they drafted, which haven't been approved yet, basically has a, a safety check that you should do on any type of storage device. So one of them is physical risks. Could you drop it on your foot? Another one is the fire risk. Which actually dropping it on your foot would be terrible because of the energy density <laughs> issue. <laughs> I don't think it gets heavier when you charge it. <laughs> And um, then you've got... No, there's more of it to get a certain amount of energy. <laughs> that's right. Yeah, it's quite heavy. You have to deal with... These are all the risks that you should consider when choosing a battery technology. There's weight, there's fire risk, there's gas from venting, um, and there's energy and, and voltage. So the voltage is dealt with by keeping it below 60 volts. It's considered a safe voltage. The energy risk is there. If you were to short out the terminals without any circuit protection, you can discharge an enormous amount of energy in a short period of time. So one of the upgrades we put into, this, into the pack that we brought here was a motorised circuit breaker, 
which we can control via software. So when the unit is turned on, it actually displays the voltage on the front panel and tells you what voltage it has available, but the terminals don't become live until you press a button or or we send it a signal. So that deals with the energy risk. And if you short the terminal out, the circuit breaker trips, which makes it much safer than a lead battery because a lead battery doesn't have a built-in circuit breaker. If you short out a big lead battery bank, there's no protection at all. Mm. It will just arc and and burn out whatever you shorted across the terminals. Mm. No, it's interesting that you did that and um, that you felt that there was a need to do that. Congratulations. Thank you. Mm. The yeah. circuit breaker we found was by a company called CBI. They're based in, in Melbourne, but their head office is in South Africa. I think they manufacture in Lesotho. And um, they make this motorised circuit breaker there for the mining industry. And we managed to negotiate a good deal on it and got them sent over to the manufacturer and they put them inside the product. So mm. what you're saying is you've got actually a better performing product and a safer product than the original manufacturer. Yeah, that's right. And now we're also, because we're a software developer, we've developed this product called Emacs, which is the remote access device for electronic inverters. We've now put code in our Emacs that talks directly to the supercapacitors. So we can actually put the Emacs inside the capacitor as well and make it an Internet of Things device. So all you need to do is plug it into your internet router at home and then you can see it on your smartphone. Mm-hmm. That's, that's the next step. So we're kind of in, working with the manufacturer to enhance it. We're also working on different size packs for different applications. We get people calling us all the time. The military want one for a backpack for their soldiers. The uh, the trains want them for signalling devices because when you have a temperature range of negative 30 to 85 degrees operating with almost no degradation, there's a huge number of applications that become available that were out of the, out of the range of lithium-ion batteries and lead batteries. So... Supercapacitors in general, uh, what's your competition? How many other um, competitive products are there out there? Uh, there's a few that I've seen. Um, I don't know that there's any really serious competitors right this moment, but I don't think it'll be very long. Mm. Uh, at, at the moment, we're looking at how we can continually improve the pack and offer more varieties. Different voltage windows are uh, being called upon quite often. 24 volts is a big one people ask for, and mm. 120 volts. Um, we're going to bring out a 384-volt battery soon. Uh, supercapacitor battery, mm. and that's compatible with uh, that would be compatible with some of the other brands of inverters such as um, Solar Edge. The manufacturer of this capacitor also have an inverter called the Energy Server, which um, they want us to import to the country to trial as well. Um, and it's very advanced uh, for large scale sites. Okay, you have an, at the moment, I think, only one unit on your website. Um, tell us about that unit. What it, what it is what is the physical size? The applications it's suitable for. Yeah, there is one unit we've put on the website. There this are, is the RVO website, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, that's right. There's a few different ones available that we can import already, but we chose to stay with the 3.55 kilowatt hour module. A couple of reasons for that uh, are that the weight is one thing. It weighs about 75 kilograms, and we wanted to make wow. it safe to carry. Um, it's got two handles, so two people can, can generally move that around. So that looks like it's about 500 millimetres, half a metre wide? It's 600 millimetres wide and 200 millimetres tall and 530 millimetres deep from front to back. And it's 75 kilograms. Yeah. So it's quite heavy. Gold. Graphene, actually. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So that we we also could bring in the one that's double the capacity, but it's nearly double the weight. And that becomes something you need to move with a machine. And we don't think that's really practical. It's double the price, double the weight. And you also have double the safety question as well because you have double the energy. Mm. So, And we couldn't get a circuit breaker big enough to build into the unit oh. to go in the big one. And all, all things being said, it was better to go for a smaller building block. 
Right. In, in our view. Talking about pricing, how does it compare to a battery of a similar capacity? It does cost more money. Um, we think it's about 20% dearer than a good quality lithium-ion battery. Um, but given the number of cycles it can do, um, it, it should well outlast every lithium-ion battery in the market. Sorry, how much more expensive? About 20% dearer. We've just got a couple of minutes and probably the hardest question. It's fair to say there's been vigorous um, debate and, and some severe scepticism online about your new product and whether it is ju- truly a supercapacitor or whether it's actually got battery backup internally. Um, can you go through some of those arguments just briefly? And Sure. And I've actually read a lot of the debates online. And yeah, I've seen you've been active. Yeah. There are some uh, very upset people in the marketplace about this idea. Uh, there is no separate battery inside the pack. There's only one type of cell inside the pack, and it does have a lithium-ion electrode inside it, and it, it is electrochemical capacitor, so it has a lot of properties that are like a battery. So the crossover between a capacitor and a battery uh, is this middle range, which is a supercapacitor. So I guess you, some people could call it a battery if you look at some of the properties. Other people would call it a capacitor if you look at the other capa- other properties. So... I think I'll let others decide what they want to call it. Uh, They can read all the research papers, um, all the debate, even amongst professors in universities about what a device, when a device becomes a supercapacitor and when it's a battery. The main thing that's really important is that it has an enormous operating temperature range, huge amounts of power available, which is great for all kinds of applications. Uh, It can be paralleled infinitely. It's extremely safe. It's much more environmentally friendly. If somebody wants to call it a battery... That's okay with Well, me. even the patent you pointed people to showed a battery array internally in the diagram. That's correct, yeah. Well, that's one way of building it. So it's a battery and a but capacitor. But yours doesn't have batteries in. No, no. That was that was about two years ago that model was made, which was when they, you couldn't buy a combined device. In terms of that, it probably doesn't actually matter, does it? Because what we're seeing is that this change in technology in all sorts of er- different areas and these new products coming along, and one day there will be, I don't know, 100% supercapacitors that will yep. um, come into play, but yours is, a, as you called it earlier, a hybrid. Yeah, what really matters is uh, what it does on the terminals, um, what the warranty is. The warranty is 10 years with unlimited charge cycles, um, as long as you stay within the specifications of the product. Um, and the degradation is almost none. So we've not detected any, any degradation at all yet in the product. So what you call it, uh, I don't really mind. The main thing is, does it work? It does. Can we prove it? Yes, we can. Have we proven it? Yes, we have. Would you like to come and see one? Yes, you can. We've got them in our workshop. So there's no, nothing to hide from anybody. The skeptics, Including have been, a disassembled one. Yes. Yeah. The skeptics have been invited to come down, and I haven't seen one yet. Um, I think the main people critical are actually interstate, aren't they, They're in Western Australia, and so are. it's a bit far to come. Yes. Paul, we've just got a minute or so to go. Less and Or less. Um, Thank you for having me. Where will people find out more about your product? Uh, you can go onto our website at arvio, that's arvio.com.au, and you can send us an email. We can send you information, specifications, and we, we, we like to work with system integrators. So if you've got a local solar guy in your area and you're interested in it for your home, then um, you can contact us and we can put you in touch with the right person. Great. And it's really good to see that you're doing all these um, added extras to improve its safety. So fantastic. Well done, Paul. Thank you. The Beyond Zero show is brought to you by the Climate Solutions Think Tank Beyond Zero Emissions and is recorded in the studios of 3CR Melbourne and syndicated around Australia on the Community Radio Network. 
If you want to listen to this show or any of the others we've done, you can go to bze.org.au and click on podcasts. If you enjoy the program and can help donate to cover airtime costs and keep us on the air, please go to the BZE website and click on the donate button. Thanks for listening and we look forward to you joining us again next week. Beyond Zero Emissions is an internationally recognised climate solutions think tank that is focused on solutions, not problems. Become part of the solution by becoming a monthly base load supporter. Go to www.bze.org.au to find out more. bze.org.au You've been listening to a 3CR podcast produced in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au.